Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. This is episode 13 with your host, Stacey Hegarty, the vice president of ENI, and her guest, Lushonda Bird, the founder of Leaving Members Joyful. Today, they're going to be talking about helping students cultivate their future through non traditional pathways. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacey Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Our guest today is LaShonda Bird, founder of Leaving Members Joyful, and also someone from my past life in higher education. It's always nice when I can have a conversation with people that I know. So good morning, LaShonda. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So I know you, but our listeners don't. So why don't we start with the easy stuff? Tell us about yourself. So I am the founder of Leaving Members Joyful, which is a consulting firm that deals with mainly with the youth and teaching them how to integrate themselves into the world. And then also I work with adults too that's trying to reinvent themselves. I'm also a mom of three and I do have a teenager. I have two teenagers, which is why my focus with teenagers is showing them how they could be a great bang into the world and not having all that pressure on them. Also have 19 years in the education world as well. I work as a director here at Lincoln Tech College. So I work along with their young adult students as well and teaching them how to transform their lives to be great. And so I love what I do and I've been doing it for a long time. Leaving members and joyful, been in business for a very long time. Uh, this year will be 19 years. We've been in business and we're super excited. So you and I know each other from the education world. And let's talk a little bit about how did your career in higher ed open the door for you to start working with high school students to get them thinking about their futures? Well, over the years of working with many different great organizations, getting a chance to get in front of students and just figuring out what they think about their own core values of themselves and what do they feel like they can be an asset to the industry versus, you know, a liability and what's hindering them from it. So just speaking with students over and over again, what I noticed was it was a gap in between those where you have, sometimes you have parents push them, go university, you know, go big, go big, go big. And they forget like, hey, not all students want to go away to college. You know, not all students want to go to a four-year college. Sometimes they want to go community or sometimes they just want to go to a trade and they forget about that middle piece. And I've always been a part of that for the bulk of my tenure in this industry. And so it made me start thinking of, hey, our high schools teaching our students, it's okay to go to a trade. It's okay to work for a great company and work your way up in the company and then get into tuition reimbursement to pay for your schooling because you're working to help your family out. And so I started focusing more on that because I came from a background where my mom, you know, we grew up poor, very poor. And so the conversation she had with us is either you're going to be really smart and get a scholarship or come and work in a factory with me, you would have to choose. And so just having that conversation coming from a single parent of five kids, and my dad passed away when I was four, and seeing the struggle my mom had and what she instilled in us made me realize, this is my calling. This is where I need to be to teach these youth, hey, if you don't go to a university, don't beat yourself up. Even if you don't go to a community college, don't beat yourself up. We have these trade schools. And guess what? You have, you can go work for a great company and work your way up in a company if you use the proper skills. And so I just started getting into high schools and working with them. And it's going great right now. You know, some of them work and end up going and some stay where they are and grow within the company. 
And I think over the past year and a half or so, we've really grown to have a better understanding in general of how important the trades are to keeping our society functioning and working well, even though it's always been that way. The pandemic really called that into sharp relief, I think, for a lot of people. And then throw in our current higher education crisis of tuition being just unbelievably unobtainable for most people. You're talking six figures of student loans for a baccalaureate degree sometimes. Yes, that is true. And which is why a lot of students, you know, parents get discouraged. Like they're barely making it now. How will we be able to afford this if my kid didn't get that scholarship that, you know, was available for them? Now, Lushanda, when you're working with young people who are really just starting to consider all of their options, I know a lot of times families overlook the options that aren't four-year college. A lot of guidance counselors are overlooking that option. How do you work with students and their families to get a more broad picture of the options that are available to them that may or may not include traditional four-year school? Well, I sit down and I always just learn about them. I typically ask the question of their vision. So I ask the student, you know, because I deal with a lot of high school students and, and young adults too, what is the vision you have for yourself? Don't look at your parent, like close your eyes and just walk me through. If you can snap your finger, what does life look like for you? And then they give me what life looked like. Okay, what form of income would you like? And they give that to me and I say, okay, what skills do you think you need to have to get there? And do you think they're attainable to learn? And then I always get, I don't know. And sometimes I get people who actually know because they're a little bit more structured. But for the most part, I want to say about 85% of the time I get a, I don't know. And I always ask, why don't you know? They never thought about it. So we kind of map out like a thinking to-do list, if you will, on the spot, you know? And so we map it all out. And then once we get down to it, we just talk about the skills they already have. Like you already have this skill, so use it. You didn't know you had the skill. And so we talk about the different skills they have and we build from there. And then we're going into a direction. Okay. You have the skill. You talked about being a manager for a long time. A lot of people think they have to go back to school to become a manager. No, these are some skills you actually have. I mean, they prefer you to go to school, but you already have great communication skills. You already have time management skills. You know, you already know how to adapt to be adaptable. And we're talking about those soft skills that's so important with becoming a manager. And you obtain that. Now you just gotta have faith in yourself to move forward. And if you want a credential, we have these trade schools where you can go in and get a credential if you feel like you need a certificate or a diploma to give yourself more of that intro knowledge you're looking for. And so when I sit and I interview those parents and the students are really more so talk to the student and the parent because sometimes parents can be over love. <laughs> so we push them in directions they don't belong in and then they end back up in a trade school, you know, and backstepping. And so once I map that plan out for them, it works and I follow up. So I keep up with a lot of my youth. Some of them go to school, trade school or community college and end up going four years. So four years is not at the door. It's just not at that moment your time. So all I do is just have them to talk about themselves because most people don't ask you to talk about yourself. Most people talk about themselves or tell you what they think about you versus you hearing yourself speaking, hearing your accolades and different things like that and using that for the industry you're trying to get into. So I just pretty much interview them and listen. <laughs> I know that sounds so simple, but that's what I do. Sometimes the simplest things are the right solution and we try to make things much more complicated than they need to be. Yeah, that's so true. 
Now, do high school students need a resume? They do, but a lot of people think they can't do a resume because they don't have any work experience. It's so much more that can go on a resume, your extracurriculum activities, community services that you've done, and even your courses. So you can take the courses you've taken, especially if they're AP courses or if you're taking a dual credit course, and you can put that on your resume that a feed into, you know, the position you're looking to go into. And even a simple great objective at the top, you know, you can put that you're kindly in school. And what it does is it shows that you're academically focused. People like that to see that. So you can definitely, and even if you like do activities in church, I know my church is a big church and my kids participate all the time. We're going to go feed the homeless shelters and giving back and Christmas carols and then food drives that show their volunteer skills that they can multitask with all of the things they do and, and how they're helping looking in the field they're going into. My daughter wants to be a doctor. Well, guess what? You got to have great people skills and showing that you work with those different shelters shows that you have great people skills and you also have patience, right? Because you're dealing with all types of personalities. So even if you don't have work experience, you can have a resume. And that's what I teach too. I show them how to format their resume to fit what they have and what they're doing already, their accomplishments in school, their accolades in school. So yes, they should have a resume. Now we know that employers talk a lot about wanting the soft skills. A lot of times we hear from employers that, you know what, we can teach a skill. We can teach the technical pieces of a job. What we can't teach are those essential life skills or the soft skills. Let's talk about that a little bit. How do you help young people highlight those soft skills like communication or critical thinking or their organizational skills, those problem solving, the things that don't show up in their GPA. They don't show up in their description of their part-time job, perhaps. How do you help young people put that into words on a resume or in a cover letter? It's very simple. You give examples. So, it may not be on the resume within itself. So if someone asks for your soft skills and you're interviewing right in front of them, you give them an example, okay? And if they ask for it to be written out, you give an example. So you talk about a situation you was in, what happened, why you were in it, and what did you do to conquer that situation? And even if you didn't conquer it, because we can't win all the time, right? You will learn. So even if you didn't come out on top, what lesson did you get being a part of that situation? And what it does is it shows your soft skills. So if I'm able to communicate to you an example, communication, boom. If I'm able to show you, hey, I had a problem and I solve it, soft skills, problem solving. If I'm able to show you I had a problem, this is what I've done to solve this problem. It shows decision making, soft skills, you know. And if I'm talking about a problem where I had to think on my feet really fast and what did I do, it shows critical thinking and decision making. So just giving examples is how you actually show. It's almost like using action verbs, if you will, right? So you give those examples to show your soft skills, basically. I love it. Are you also working with young people that you're working with on how to interview. I think sometimes there's an impression that Gen Z is not able to interact in person, that they spend so much time in front of a screen that they're not portraying themselves in the best light when they have one-on-one -on -one interactions with a real person in an interview situation. 
What kind of guidance do you give to high school students for how to conquer the interview, whether it's for a job or for admission to school? What would you tell them? So what I do, because I'm very hands-on, because they're young and they need that hands-on, right? Some people learn all types of ways. So I try to teach all types of ways. So I like doing a lot of role-playing, you know, and we give examples. And what I do is in a group setting, I allow the students to throw out different questions in an interview that they think will be hard and complicated when they get asked that question right on the spot. And I role play it. So they play the hiring manager and I'm the student and we role play through it. And then once I role play, then I pair them up with each other and they role play. And sometimes parents attend my sessions too. So I pair parents up because you wouldn't believe how many parents can ask those. They can't even answer those questions and they're thrown off and they're like, whoa, I didn't think I should be answering that question when they say, tell me about yourself that I should not be saying I'm a parent of four or five kids. <laughs> I should be thinking about <laughs> my skills, <laughs> you know? At this time is the best time to brag on myself, right? With that question and just not knowing. And so I role play so much with them and help them be comfortable in the interview session, whether it's sitting face to face, whether it's through Zoom nowadays, right? <laughs> no matter where they are, they'll be able to answer that question. Even if they're more in a relaxed setting where they're just having a conversation and the hiring manager got you so relaxed, you still have to stay sharp. You know, remember, they're not your friend. They're not. As young people would say, they're cool peeps. They're not, you know, stay sharp because that's the part of their tactic to interview you, you know? So I just role play so much that it works. A lot of the counselors like that and they even learn themselves, you know? So that's what I do with them. And I give them a little cheat sheet too. Oh, okay. So what does the cheat sheet look like? So the cheat sheet are, are questions. So like, okay, if an employer asks me, like using the one, tell me about yourself. So if an employer is asking me, tell me about yourself. This is what they're looking for. If an employer asks about, okay, you haven't worked in two years, what's going on with that? Where you should go with that? You know, hey, I noticed that you've been job hopping. What's up with that? Where you should go with that? But if an employer tells you to give you an example of hostile situation, how did you handle it? How you should answer it, you know? And so I give them little cheat sheets just to help them with their mindset to be in a proper place to answer the question because I told them if you answer it even backwards if you're confident it makes them confident in you <laughs> even if you said it backwards you're confident in it you know so they know you're not perfect just make sure your mindset is where it needs to be so excellent you mentioned the parents what mm -hmm. advice do you have for parents you're lucky you've worked in higher education so when it's time for your children to start I know you've got a daughter in college and a son who's before long going to be making decisions about yes. his life. So you've got years of experience to help them work through it. Most parents don't have that. Right. What advice would you give to parents or people who have young people in their lives who are starting to question what their future is going to be? Okay. So what I would say, because my mom was that parent, my mom had no direction. She didn't know what to do, right? She had no idea what to and how to help her five kids that are like literally we're all year apart besides go to school <laughs> and hopefully you'll figure it out, right? I would say to parents, use the resources you have. Ask the counselors, who do they have or what form of partnerships do they have to help you in the area you feel like your child need help in? 
So if you ask that, you know, the counselors I'm connected with will let you know, hey, you need to reach out to Lushanda. She's the you know founder of Leaving Members Joyful. Get in contact with her company and she'll help you in this area. So do not be afraid to ask. You know, never try to go out there and just do it on your own if it isn't working. So don't keep doing the same thing. So the counselors have so many resources available. Just don't be afraid to say, what resources do you have available? And this may sound crazy. A lot of people look past libraries. I go into the libraries and I do free resume workshops and interviews just for in my area, you know, in my district where I live. And it's a gift back to my community. And I'm there twice a month and go into your library and look at what resources they have, too. So one thing I can give to parents is just the art of finding anything out is asking a question for sure and seeing what resources is there for you. The art of finding anything out is asking the questions. I like that. I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) Our last question here that we usually wrap up our episodes with is, what are you learning? What's new? And I'm talking about hobbies or new skills that you're learning that don't have to do with work, that have to do with something you're interested in. And I think during the pandemic, there was a lot of self-exploration going on for people, realizing that they may be didn't know what their hobbies were. So we like to ask people what they're doing and what they're learning that's new. You know what? This may sound so corny and just basic. I am a reader and usually I just take one book at a time. I've learned how to read five and complete them usually at the same time, which is so weird and <laughs> because I had so much time on my hands being pregnant. And so I just started a book and it's a book in each spot. But what it has taught me and what I've learned to do is how to shift my mindset. So each book doesn't have the same background. It's about something totally different. So you seriously have to shift and prep yourself to be prepared to pick up where you left off at. And so what I found out is the shift has taught me to think more on my feet when I'm set in certain situations. because. It makes me shift because I have a book in the kitchen. I have one, of course, in the bathroom. I have one when I'm in a baby room. I have one when I'm on lunch for work. They're just everywhere. But each book is so different. I have to shift and remember what I've read already so I can pick up and enjoy the rest of it. And then I start applying it to my life being a mom of a one-year-old and you haven't had a daughter in 19 years. <laughs> so it's so different because they are different and you have to shift your mind mm-hmm. to understand them. And I think doing that, it helps. And I'm going to continue to do it. I know that sounds like a corny hobby, but I love doing it because it's actually impacting my life as a mom all over again. And then also <laughs> it helps my, I know you said outside of work, but it definitely helped me at work too now. Helps me to shift when dealing with different personalities and different things of that sort. Fantastic. Well, Lushanda, thank you for sharing with us today. How can people get in touch with you? I can be reached. I'm on all social media, leaving members joyful, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, my phone number, they can actually call me directly is area code 773-885-9853. I'm available Monday through Sunday. I answer that phone and we pick it up as late as eight o'clock at night. And then you can send me an email to leavingmembersjoyful at yahoo.com and we get to you right away. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing your insights with us today. If you'd like more information on Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com. It includes also our previous podcasts, as well as lots of tools to help you with your DE&I journey. I'm Stacey Hagerty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.